This episode is brought to you by The Collagen Co, a unique collagen blend that promotes healthy skin, hair, nails, and joints. Head to thecollagen.co to shop their end of financial year sale and save up to 30% site-wide. Welcome back to the She Does This podcast. I'm your host, founder and editor of She Does This, Jordi Lucas. So pleased to have you with us. This week on the site, interior decorator Emma Blomfield shares her top five trends for 2021. And Chief Financial Officer at 86400 Belinda Hogan talks about staying in control of your money beyond the financial year. Now, speaking of finances, financial freedom and independence is something I am hugely passionate about. Whether you're you know, an entrepreneur starting a business, a corporate or a mum with a side hustle, I think it's really important that we all know the value of our work and are paid accordingly. And certainly with the content creation side of the work that we do at She Does This, I have struggled in the past to put a dollar value to that work, but it is something that I am really trying hard to improve on and stick to, and I encourage you to do the same. And so many of our She Does This listeners are online brands, businesses, or like me, content creators. So I thought this week I would chat with Genevieve Day from Day Management, who is an absolute expert in influencer and digital marketing. We talk about why content creators should be paid, how day management is revolutionizing the talent management space, and how she felt making the cut for Forbes 30 Under 30. Here's my chat with Genevieve Day. Jen Day, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. Thanks for having me on. I'm pumped to be here. (laughs) So tell me a bit about your business and where you began. Yeah, absolutely. So I started day management back in 2015 and it is a digital talent agency, which way back then was kind of when bloggers were in the first evolution to influencers. Mm. If you can throw your mind back six years, (laughs) very different media landscape. So I launched then after seeing a real gap in the market where people were ignoring these influencers and they weren't really noting the value of these recommendations of cool people online. Mm. And so I had some friends in the industry. I was working in PR at the time and I kind of really saw the same complaints almost coming up again and again that people weren't taking their content seriously. They didn't know how to monetize it. So with that knowledge, day management was born. And yeah, it's been a wild ride of six years since then. We now have um, a team of six of us inside the, t- you know, the agency, yeah. the company, which is great. And yeah, it's been a huge evolution, I think, from doing just Instagram posts, mainly in the fashion realm, to really exploring what makes you influential in 2021. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a pretty picture on Instagram doesn't cut it anymore. You have to totally. be, you know, across multiple mediums. Yeah. So I know you manage podcasts as well. Mm-hmm. So when did sort of podcasting become a way to make money? Yeah, absolutely. I think I love exactly what you said as well, because 
so many people can kind of look their nose down at talent and influences by thinking it is just pretty girls on a beach. Mm. And really, like, no, these, you know, business owners are building communities and they're empowering other women and other individuals. And it's, yeah, fascinating and really powerful what people have built online and in different platforms. So with podcasts, we kind of saw a shift around 2018. Yep. And we started with... Sarah Davidson's Seize the A. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of a nice, yeah, evolution of what she was already doing on her Instagram. And she was already speaking to these fascinating people and spreading yay and spreading these amazing stories. And she wanted a platform for that. So we started then in 2018, which was again a very fresh new concept. Yeah. And then it's just exploded. And so because of that amazing case study, we kind of saw this is another realm of the influencer. You yeah. know, the podcaster is just another influential voice, hmm. um, another place to build community. So yeah, we kind of stepped our toe in the water there and it's been going ever since. And even more recently, we've just done with Beyond the Bump podcast. Yeah. Sophie and Jade are amazing. And we've just done a bespoke podcast series with Fisher Price. Mm -hmm. So it was a new way to tell stories as well. And I think that's been really cool to watch people discover a whole new platform. And yeah, they kind of still get to wear that title of being an influencer, even though they're not Instagram heavy. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you sort of develop talent? You might see someone on, on Instagram that's got an amazing look or an amazing message. How do you sort of go about managing them and developing their talent so that they can branch out into podcasting or speaking? Yeah. How do you absolutely. do that? I think it's so important to encourage people to find their personal brand mm-hmm. and not that any of our talent do this, but really, you know, advising people to stay away from that copycat style Mm. because the thing that makes you unique is who you are as a person. And that is your personal brand. Mm. So really nailing down that message is so critical of finding the why, why would people want to follow you? Mm. How are you adding value through your feed? And is that being a support? Is that by, being aspirational? Is it by, you know, showing incredible interior design styles? Is it speaking about mental health? Is it showing recipes? It can be so many different niches, but really nailing that tone of voice and that personal brand is the first step. Yeah. And then once we have that down pat, it's much easier to then navigate. Where do we take that? And for each talent, they have different goals. Yeah. Some people might want to be presenters on TV and doing book deals so we can really help them, you know, shape what they're doing and what they're offering to get them there. Yeah. Um, sometimes that means, you know, doing the smaller steps with the bigger goal in mind. And that's something mm. we've seen again with Sarah Davidson now on Channel 7's House of Wellness. But we yeah. started doing speaking gigs six years ago yeah. to kind of get her here and show her presenting skills. Um. So that's been really great and it's really fascinating. I find different people's different goals as well. Like some of them will just want to do Instagram and do beautiful photo shoots and feel creatively fulfilled that way. Mm. Other people want to get a book deal and they want to, you know, share their personal story in that medium. So I find that really exciting being able to do different approaches to different people. Yeah. But the root is really that personal brand and nailing that first and finding the why. Yeah. So something that I shared recently on my personal Instagram that really resonated with a lot of my audience was I was asked to create branded content Mm -hmm. for a pretty big brand for free. 
they didn't want any i wasn't even not i mean contra is is you know case by case but for free yeah can you give us an idea of how an influencer's content and user-generated content actually benefits a brand and why it should have a dollar value next to it absolutely and i think it's so important to discuss value and value isn't always a monetary figure Mm. and that can also be a personal value like if if it's someone's dream brand if it's you know Louis Vuitton or whatever it is for that person then you might say okay well then the value does equate to what the value of my Instagram post is Mm. but more often than not people don't look at the value of social media promotion which is what happened in your case as well and it's a real shame because the value isn't even just that point of that one day that they're posting it. Mm. It's, you know, the 10 years they might've been posting, building this community. Mm. It's all the time they spend in their DMs with their audience, building that trust and that Mm. engagement. I think there's so much that goes into it beyond just posting that one sponsored post. The brand wants to leverage influencers as, you know, a point of difference in market, a trusted voice. Mm. So they are really tapping into that, key opinion leader yeah and their recommendation and they're tapping into the engagement with their community it's not just a beautiful photo posted on that wednesday night at peak engagement time yeah so you know the value is in the content that they're creating it is in the image and where that's being used is that going to then go on the brand's page and repurpose as a social ad like there's more value there and i think really it boils down for me when i look at it is they're tapping into that community that audience and the engagement and the trust mm. and you can't even really put a dollar figure on you know consumer trust in someone yeah so it's really yeah it's confronting when people say well i'll just give you a ten dollar product and you can yeah. post about it so it's it's a shame but i really think that people are coming around to understanding why we need to charge for that mm. and seeing the benefits of influencer marketing yeah something that i i often think of as well and this is a good point i think for people who want to get into the influencer space mm. is that if you promote a brand for free and then 6 months down the track a competitor of that brand comes to you and says we'll give you $500 for a post yeah You've taken, you've, you've chipped yourself out of a job because you've gone, you've already posted for a competitor for free. So you have to have that business mind when you are choosing, even if you do want to take on perhaps a contra deal, which is product. Definitely. What do you think about contra deals? I think if you're clear on, again, that why and that who you want to align with and how does it align with your personal brand then you can post Contra and for free with that brand to build a relationship. Mm. And again, that's the value there. But if you're just out here accepting any gifts, not thinking about the longer term goals or the ramifications of that, it can be really damaging. And especially in markets that are super crowded, like skincare is one of them, Mm. even like the vitamin space, collagen, there are so many different competitors. Um, Even if you think about like financial apps and banks and the shopbacks and paypals of the world Mm. they all sit within the same family yeah and a lot of people don't realize that when they're accepting yeah a free product here and there it can be used strategically to show the brand hey here's what i can do with your product let me create something really beautiful to prove to you my audience wants to see more of it Mm. and we've used that tactic before when a brand is saying do you know what not now 
we're like, hey, just go and show them what you can do. Yeah. And then they come back and say, wow, you do clearly and authentically love that product. So yeah. now we're going to pay you for it. Yeah. But I think there has to be that strategy. Because mm-hmm. if people just starting out are accepting gifts left, right, and center and posting about every single moisturizer, yeah. then, you know, the big moisturizers aren't going to come to you and say, well, now talk about us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So you represent some huge names in the space. Yeah. Spoonful of Sarah, obviously, Jess yeah. Ray King, Jess Vandalay. Yeah. When you're scrolling through Instagram, what kinds of talents stand out to you? Because it's a satur like yeah. you know, it's saturated. There's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so what stands out to you? I think just having a really unique point of difference and a really unique voice. Just mm. like what you said before, being a pretty face isn't enough anymore Mm. which I love and I think that's something that I've been campaigning for for a really long time and even when we first started the business and it was really focused on models looking gorgeous which is nothing wrong with that either no but I've really been yeah championing these interesting stories and it might even be kind of my PR background wanting that hook and that news hook so now that we get to drive forward with people with interesting stories dream come true yeah so i think when i'm scrolling and i see someone that's doing something a bit different and has a unique story to tell that really grabs my attention yeah and i love it because you get to discover new people who have such a whole different experience to what you've lived yeah and it really opens your eyes up of you know your reality versus their reality Mm. and you can become more empathetic and more understanding and yeah, I just think it's really great to find that and stumble across it in the explore page even. Yeah. And yeah, that's the thing with some of our talent as well. They have such rich stories to share. Mm. So that's always what I'm looking for at the agency is finding someone. Stories. Yeah, the stories. Mm. You are a huge champion and advocate for the new industry codes yeah. um, within sort of influencing and digital marketing. Can you tell us a bit about what these new regulations are and how they actually benefit the industry. Absolutely. So I was one of the founding members of AIMCO, which Mm. is the Australian Influencer Marketing Council. (laughs) So that was back in 2019 where we started getting together with industry parties, you know, PR agencies, talent agencies, advertisers, and we all got into a room together in Sydney and we had multiple meetings over multiple months and Mm. just spoke about what was going wrong in our industry and what we could all do better. Mm. And we didn't want to do it reactively because something had happened. Like we didn't want to have a big, you know, lawsuit to cause us to get together and do this. We wanted yeah. to be on the front foot. And also because we all love and respect our industry. Yeah. And the more that it's regulated, the more it's taken seriously as well. Definitely. So we kind of were leading with that and we came up with the code of ethics and the best practice. And so that kind of just shows it's, a guideline to give to people that don't have managers. It's a guideline Mm. to give to people that even do have managers and to other managers themselves and to give to brands and clients. So it kind of outlines what is best practice. So when you are being paid for something, disclose it. Yeah. Um, It's encouraging people if they're even being gifted to disclose it's a gift just to have that transparency. Yeah. Um, There's also, you know, it's not all about bashing influencers that don't do it. It's Mm. there to protect the influencer as well. Yeah. Um, And making sure that everyone's kind of working to the same goalposts. Yeah. 
And it's been a bumpy road to get there as well. And it's still a bumpy road. No one is perfect. But I think having this amazing best practice to point to Mm. means that rather than people coming out aggressively saying, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Yeah. It's an education first. It's, hey, all the assets are here. Check that out. This is how we should be doing it. Yeah. And there have been some pretty high profile um, news stories. Anna Heinrich um, being fined. Do you think that that's beneficial for those stories to make the news? I almost feel like she was made a spectacle of yeah, to prove a point. I, I, what do you feel about that? It's so hard because I don't think that cancelling anybody achieves anything. No. And again, it's there's no point going in with the goal of bashing influencers. Mm. Because they'll just throw up their hands and say, well, it's too hard. Why would I even be involved in AIMCO then if I'm just going to get bashed for yeah, it? Yeah. I think it's good to have accountability. And as much as it would have been so terrible for Anna and her team, mm. who probably made an innocent mistake or it's one that slipped through the cracks, yeah. it was a good point to send around to the whole industry mm. and say, guys, we have to do this and everyone's watching. Yeah. So I think accountability can be productive. But as long as the, the conversation is not negative for her as well, yeah, it's yeah. more about, yeah, educating why we need it rather than slamming those that don't. Yeah. And as you said before as well, having these regulations and codes of practice in place builds credibility for the industry. And, Absolutely. It, and it means that people can stand up and say, no, I, the content that I'm providing is giving your brand value yeah and i'm so sick of that as well that whole conversation of people saying oh you work with influencers Mm. it's like actually i work with heaps of badass career women yeah and business owners and men as well shouldn't ignore the guys (laughs) (laughs) you know they are self-employed they are disrupting an industry and they have full control of their careers which Mm. are on a massive massive trajectory And it's been amazing. Like, I always go back to the same mission of day management, which is more than an Instagram post. Yeah. So while people might think, oh, you just, you know, do a sponsored post here or there. I'm like, well, I'd like to point you to Flex Mommy on the bus Mm. for a Zip Pay campaign or in every store of bras and things nationally. Yes. Or I'd like to point you to, you know, Sarah Davidson's book, CZA, in bookstores all over the country. Mm. There's so much more that we do that's so cool and powerful. Even we work with the First Nations artist, Rachel Sara. Yeah. And she is so talented. And we do, you know, product co-design collaborations, even with, you know, L'Oreal's Matrix hair care range. She designed all eight packages. That's incredible. so much more than an Instagram post. Yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely it's all about regulating the industry to make it more official and more renowned mm. because what we're doing here, it's no small stake. Yeah. And I feel like the influencer is the new celebrity as well. I mean, I feel old 29, yeah. but my, I have three younger cousins mm-hmm. who their form of celebrity, I think, is a lot of people that they follow on Instagram or TikTok. Yeah. It's really taking over that sort of mainstream absolutely celebrity idea. One of my favorite stats that I read was, you know, 20 years ago when you looked at kids in high school that said what's your dream career? Mm. They wanted to be a pop star, but yeah. now they want to be an influencer yeah. or a YouTuber <laughs> or a TikToker. So it's it is the new pop star. Yeah. And it's just really where the eyeballs are because mm. if you think about it, you know, when I was in high school which again, I'm actually older than you, but <laughs> I was reading Dolly magazine. Yes. And that's where the eyeballs were. And I was watching TV free to air 
And that's where we got our information from. Yep. And those were our influences. Mm. You know, we looked at Misha Barton from the OC and what she was wearing and what Dolly and Cleo told me she was wearing. And then I went out and bought that. Yes. So it's just people are going to different media sources, but the actual action is the same. They're looking Mm. to certain celebrities and they're making consumer purchases because of that. Like that hasn't changed. So it's fascinating. And I think, again, like everyone talks about the rise of the influencer and how it's you know, new marketing budgets. It's the same marketing budget. Yeah. It's just being divided differently because of where people's attention is. Yeah. You made Forbes under 30, which is a huge (laughs) achievement. Thank you. What did that mean to you just on a personal level? It meant a lot. I think I kind of downplayed it a bit personally because it's such a hard thing to even explain. And it's something that I went for in secret. Yeah. So I turned 30 in May and the list came out in April. So the timing was just, just made it chef's kiss. <laughs> slipped in there. So I applied back in November, December last year. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the way the process works is you kind of apply and you submit something for yourself and then mm. they shortlist people and then they have the list and you kind of don't know what they're looking for. It's not based on revenue or innovation it's kind of a mixture of everything yeah but for me that was kind of the one goal I'd really set myself Mm. and that was the one thing I've held as the highest regard and especially like I said a lot of people kind of scoff at influencer marketing so to have Forbes back it and say no this is great and you're in the top 30 people of Australia and you know, APAC. Yeah. Massive. Incredible. So yeah, it, it meant a lot. And I think it's just nice to have that backing, especially as a business founder on my own, like I yeah. run day management on my own with yeah. an amazing team, but it's just me in, you know, the founding team of yeah. one. Yeah. So it's really nice to have that backing of, yes, you're doing the right thing. Yes. You're on the right pathway and people are taking notice. Your peers as well. Absolutely. How did you feel marketing yourself and pushing yourself? I'm (laughs) sure you're used to sort of like, you know, pushing everyone else and marketing other people. How did that feel to sort of be like, no, I I just (laughs) never had it back to you. It's so awkward. Yeah, I I know. I'm in this job because I'm a behind the scenes gal. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the thing. I'm so comfortable putting my talent on set and pitching Mm. them every single day. And when it comes to myself, I'm like, um, this feels wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, yeah, it's, it's nice to reflect and look at the wins and celebrate them because mm. as you know, running a business is hard Yeah, and there are so many ups and downs. So I'm really big on celebrating the ups Yeah, because you never know when it's going to go down again. <laughs> no, you don't. So what does a typical day look like for you here in yeah. day management? Look, it's a lot of email time. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, it sounds very glamorous, but Typically, it's coming into the office, you know, meeting with the team, making sure that our strategy is all running on track and in the timeline of the year. Mm -hmm. A lot of our industry is, you know, events as well. So it's like Father's Day or Christmas, Black Friday. So making sure we're running certain timelines. Um, It's having amazing meetings with our partners and our agencies to kind of work collaboratively as well. Mm. And we have some great longstanding relationships who I've worked with the whole six years of day management. And that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Yeah. Having that personal relationship in a business setting. Um, Sometimes we'll go out to a photo shoot or, you know, a film shoot for our talent as well and be that support there for them. Mm. Sometimes we'll go to an industry event as well for networking, which is again, so important. Yeah. 
And then home to Netflix and a glass of wine. Really? <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. Well-rounded. Yeah. <laughs> so let's finish off. What are the goals for day management for you? Where do you see the business in three to five years? Oh, see, I've never really had a business plan, <laughs> which is terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> I think because when I started, I was young and naive and I was 24 when mm. I launched Day Management. Oh my gosh. I know. Who was that girl? But I you know, saw this gap in the market and I saw opportunity and it hadn't really been done that much at the time. Mm. So there was no point doing a business plan because the industry was going to change so yeah. much. And even to give some context, when I first started, Instagram didn't have reels there were no instagram stories ever changing yeah absolutely there was snapchat and then there was an instagram static post that's all you could do so i think if i relied too heavily on a business plan it would have been over and done with before i even started yeah but now looking forward there i was listening to brene brown's podcast yeah huge brene fan love her (laughs) and she said this amazing quote where there's this fable about the fox and the hedgehog yeah and you know, the fox is trying to get the hedgehog and he's super agile and he's doing everything. He's jumping, he's crawling, he's sneaking around and he can't get it because the hedgehog just rolls up into a ball with mm-hmm. his little spikes. And that analogy is like, as a business, you can either be really agile and try and do everything and be everything to everybody. Yeah. Or you can do one thing really well. Mm. So I think for me looking forward, I just want to be a great hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love wanna, that. Yeah, I want to do one thing really well, and that is what defines us. Yeah. So that, in line with our ethos of people first, business second, mm-hmm. I think that combination sets us up for success. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the people, not only our fantastic talent, but our relationships with the brand managers, PR companies, the agencies, that's really what's put us in good stead in the industry as well. Yeah. And I think people kind of lose that mentality sometimes as businesses grow and scale. So my goal for the future is to continue to do people first, business second, and be a really good hedgehog. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the She Does This podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen, and we will be back in your ears next week.